Hello, and welcome to the Finding Color in the Darkness podcast. Our last episode featured an interview with Guy D'Ambrosio, who lost his son, Cameron, to suicide in November of 2019. We are saddened to say that Guy passed away on December 9th. We'd like to think that now Guy and Cameron are reunited. Our thoughts and prayers are with the D'Ambrosio family. Thank you, Ben. This is Margie. Our next episode is with Aspen Ridge. Aspen is a dynamic 30-year-old singer, songwriter, and musician who lives with her 8-year-old daughter, Lillian, and wife, Rachel, north of Boston. She is also a suicide attempt survivor who has suffered through multiple traumas, including being sexually assaulted as a child over the course of several years by a young relative. She is, like so many others, someone who struggles with mental illness. In spite of these obstacles, Aspen laughs loudly, lives boldly, and embraces life. This is her public persona, but as is often the case with those of us who suffer through trauma and or some form of mental illness, darkness is often a frequent visitor. Learning to navigate the darkness and living through it, however, creates a warrior, and Aspen is all that and more. Hello and welcome to the Finding Color in the Darkness podcast. I'm your host today, Ben, joined by... Margie. And today we have Aspen Ridge. Hey! So tell us about the first song you're going to play for us today. My first song actually is called Runaway, Runaway. This is explaining it to you. It's Runaway is in the action, comma, Runaway is in the person. So Runaway, Runaway. It's literally about running from my problems. It just really had to do with my own stuff. I went to the University of Hartford, shout out, only went there for a year and then dropped out like a cool kid. Um, but I was going to the conservatory for after training. Um, and they put us in situations that felt like it was a lot. It was like unraveling a lot of like my own like childhood trauma and stuff like that and like bringing it to the forefront of my brain and like using it for certain techniques, you know, <laughs> or acting and stuff that I had like really just was like, again, running away from, like not wanting to deal with and all this stuff and ended up being hospitalized inpatient twice um, in a psych ward um, for self-harm. And that was the time that I had actually tried to hang myself, but it was this after I had just gotten out of the hospital. And so someone, I don't know who, um, had a bad feeling and, um, I had my own dorm and, uh, so it's not like anyone would know. Um, but someone just had a bad feeling, I guess. And they did a wellness check on me and it's hazy. I don't really remember a whole lot. Because um, my deprived my brain of oxygen, this guy uh, So it's like in and out, but I they came in and they they scooped me up and they took me inpatient again. And so that was in November of uh, um, 2009. Oh. 
semester spring semester 2010 I moved to Utah I did a whole like spiritual retreat thing um and was trying to like get my mental health back in order um stayed there for quite a few months and moved back home and part of the thing that was happening like in uh Utah was it was spiritual but also I ended up like it was a Native American like shaman and medicine man who was teaching me how to meditate and how to calm myself and all the stuff um also he was a Mormon what and so I grew up Catholic so I think there was like still I had never I hadn't deconstructed a lot of my own stuff with that like religion and stuff yet so I was still kind of drawn to it in a way that it was like comforting to me um, which is funny because it is not anymore at all. It's like actually really toxic and scary for me. But, um, at the time it was something that I was like kind of yearning for. So when I came back to New Hampshire, I was like, you know, looking for signs, you know, law of attraction kind of stuff, signs from God, whatever it was. And I saw this church and it was Zion church and I had worked in Zion National Park in Utah and there was like this whole thing so I did this thing in my brain where I was like oh this is a sign like I should go in there and then um that's when I unknowingly met my rapist and then two days later um I had I was raped and then I didn't leave my house after that and I was sitting I like just stayed in my room for a long time I wasn't eating I was dealing with like this was all you know in a year like everything I just said like all happened within a year and um so then it was January of 2011 so it was like you know 2009 2010 January of 2011 my mom came in and she looked at me and was like you're too thin you can't just sit in here all the time you need to like go do something you need to like go get a job you need to go do something and uh then i sat down and wrote the first song of the book I'm 
is beautiful but it's also it's profoundly beautiful because it comes from your heart can you describe for us your experiences at the hospital often they're not good you want to hear what your experience was like yeah the first one because i had them like a month apart the first one was okay the second one was awful <laughs> um and they were in the same place Hartford hospital shout out um it was like the first one was calm and probably because it was by my own volition. Like, I could feel myself having issues. Um, I had been self-harming since I was 15. And at this point, I was 18. And my friend actually had gone. He was like, yeah, I just went to this thing. And I know you're struggling with your own stuff. And, like, I also never used substances. Like, I told you I was a very straight-laced person growing up. And then I got to college and was, like, drinking. It's what we mean. Like, doing all this stuff that, like... I had never done before because I felt like I couldn't and then it was like a lot for my brain to handle and then it was making all of my other like symptoms for like depression and anxiety and so forth. Um, so he was like, I know you're struggling with this and like I just went there. He was only there for a few days. Um, I was like, I think maybe it would be helpful because you've never actually tried to like heal <laughs> all this stuff. And I didn't even know it was an option, honestly. Like I had never thought to like go to therapy literally just never in my brain not part of my family's kind of thing so whatever okay so I went and I was there for a week um and was diagnosed at the time with borderline personality disorder but everyone is diagnosed with that when they're 18 and a female and self-harming and doing things um it's also a personality thing so it is curable you know you can like do things to heal yourself to make it so you're not continuing down that road like um so i had been diagnosed with that and um uh ptsd from stuff and so that was good it was all right i had like an outpatient therapist that i went and saw whatever but it just wasn't enough really just wasn't enough it couldn't pull me out of that place that I was at like and I talk about this with my therapist a lot now like I self-therapize like I talk to myself a lot like I think about every outcome and every everything and like I would I started doing that when I was 18 like I would try and like talk myself out of things probably why I write music because I'm like I'm trying to like understand myself as much as I can like intense self-reflection all the time well you you were really traumatized because you had a difficult childhood growing up can you tell us about that my parents were never together really um they 
they had a shotgun wedding. Love that. My mom's very pregnant with me in their wedding photo. Um, and then they got divorced like a few months after I was born. So they were never really together. Um, my dad had been in the army. He came back, knocked her up kind of thing. You know, like it's fun. Just good old country bunkin stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I grew up in like, you know, conservative white America in Michigan. Um, in a trailer park, lived in a trailer park like 10 years of my life. Um, and it just, you know, most of it was fine. Uh, however, my mom met my stepdad when I was four. And um, here's the thing. I feel like most of my life is marked by trauma. So much so that I almost cannot remember good things. Like, there was always something. My uncle murdered my aunt when I was 14. And it was violent, and her kids saw that was a huge shift for my family, too. And I feel like there's it's intergenerational trauma that has pushed this along. And, like, there's a TikTok going around right now <laughs> that is literally, like, unrealistic things I want for Christmas. And it's, like, for my parents to go to therapy. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's so true because, I mean, there's there's so much intergenerational trauma and it gets passed on by our behaviors and our things that we learn from the people around us. And then we end up hurting others around us. And then it just continues, you know. So it was so much mess so much chaos all of the time it was never qu just quiet and it's just interesting to watch all of them in their own relationships like and and how it's passed on like how it's passed on to my cousins and how we're all dealing with it you know like the just the the abuse like finding finding abusive people to like continue to hurt us because trauma in our brain when you have trauma your amygdala, especially if you have it at a young age, um, your amygdala thinks that is how it's supposed to be. So it will constantly try and re-traumatize itself. Mm -hmm. So it's like when there is big trauma in family, like suicide and murder, and if you experience it at a young age, like you just keep wanting to re-traumatize your brain because it's like, this is all I know. This is all I know. Like all I know is chaos. I see her children now trying their best and the older generation in our family still judging them for their behaviors. You can't, um, you can't judge. <laughs> that's, that's the thing about mental health and um, trauma and mental health can be a combination of both. It can be trauma, it can be generic, um, you know, biology, but people that are, Addicts or alcoholics are people who suffer from mental health issues, whether it's post-traumatic stress trauma and uh, biology, and that's their coping mechanism. As you seem remarkably composed, and of course we talk about the dark side of the moon, sometimes we don't see the, the other side, but um, you seem like you've got so much in control, and trauma is also um, credited with making people deeply profound, and you obviously are all that. So um, I know there's a lot to be thrown at, but no, that's fine. I it was it's funny that you asked that, and I didn't know if I was gonna bring this up because I'm like 
isn't it fighting the light in the darkness? But also, sometimes the light's not always there. Like, sometimes it, it really is a struggle, and it's on and off, and sometimes you need to change the bulb. Um, so I have been having a moment lately, and I don't know if it's, like, chemical or whatever it is, but it's like, oh, I'm, like, starting. But, of course, I've been now doing this for a while with myself where I, I know like what it feels like when I'm maybe going down. So I was like having moments of like, oh, I, I didn't eat. Probably why I just scarfed all that pizza down because like all day like was like, oh, I, I didn't eat today. And, and then it like turns into all these other things. Like I'm having a hard time being joyful. I'm having a hard time feeling anything. Like it's really numb. I feel really numb right now a lot of the time. Um, this has like been going on the past like month or so, and I it's gotten really bad the last like week, where it's like, and it's frustrating, and I feel like my brain is doing that thing that I was just saying, where it's like trying to find something. I want to do anything to feel anything. Actually, I told you I started writing a song like a few days ago, literally because whenever I'm in those moments, I'm like, okay, I'll just sit down with myself and, and think about it. Um, but I do have a good therapist now. I've gone through a couple, um, but I have a great therapist. Hey, Deb. Um, you're great. I love you. She's she's so cool. She literally will – it's basically like this where she just sits and I ramble for an hour. feels great. Mm. But I do have another I, – I have a song, actually. Okay. Um, this song is called Daush, S-A-U-D-A-D-E. Um, it's Portuguese, and it means longing. It's like a longing for something that you know is never coming back. Writing the song was, like I in most of my songs, the narrator is usually talking to me. Like, it's me talking to me. And so it's, like, this internal struggle and of, like, my own inner demons. And, like, when that thing that I'm talking about, like, you can feel it start to come back, you feel it starting. And you're like, oof, okay, I, like let's navigate this. How am I going to navigate this? Is it going to feel like it usually does? Is, you know, cause sometimes it can, it can vary in severity. And, um, so this song is actually about that feeling about that, um, creeping back in that depression, anxiety, and all that stuff kind of creeping back in. Um, so yeah. Charcoal cigarette stains on my mouth again from the night that you came to stay frozen window panes waiting summer's change give me back those days and I thought
song. Can I ask you the um, meaning of I thought demons only lived in my head. I understand that part. Yeah. But here you are. Yeah, but here you are again. So it was more um, this is like like the also, it's so crazy because when I, when I write songs, it's never about like something like super like specific. So it was, yes, my, my struggle with my own self but also like any kind of like embodiment of the trauma that kind of follows you around um like for a while because of my rape like bald men um like short like any kind of like there was like a certain thing that you know and when you have many traumas when you have like complex post-traumatic stress and there's like a bunch of different things that are happening it's like you see these like physical embodiments of your trauma's kind of like following you around and you're like you know it's just in my head it's just in my head. but then when you like physically see something it's like oh triggers everywhere yeah, yeah yeah so it's i don't know it's great though that you have this you know gift of music and being able to express yourself as you referred to earlier um these are your diary entries yeah do you have one more you want to share with us sure this one's, okay, so this one is a song that I wrote for my dad, like, the day after he died in the hotel room. This is his guitar, also. And this is a strap that Rachel got for me, and it says, In loving memory of James Summers. My dad was a musician, always. He was, like, getting snuck into bars at, like, 14 years old because he was, like, the best drummer, like, ever, and, you know, in town or whatever, you know little kid just like playing out in bars all the time and he was playing his drums and he also played guitar and sang to me all the time and he was also uh, relatively absent and he was you know not um really there for me he had a lot of his own stuff and that ties into the generational stuff you know like i don't think he had the mindset too like he had the self-awareness to say i don't want to put project my stuff onto my kid um and so he really like backed away a lot of the time from I think trying to connect with me or anything like that because then even as I got older he would do that he would project and do all this stuff and then realize he was wrong and apologize and like he just realized that like you know he he wasn't 
good. So he should just remove himself from the situation. I'm also kind of like that. I'm like, oh, this is maybe, you know, I'll just remove myself from the situation because maybe I'm the problem. But he, yeah, he, he was a musician. He uh, wrote music and found a lot of his music on his phone when he died. Um, and we were starting to really repair our relationship, you know, when he passed. So that was hard. That was tough. Like, this person that was generally absent in the last like, couple of years, it was really, it was talking with him and I was connecting with him in this way that I always wanted to. And then said it get up and go die and I always wanted him to be proud of me I think that's why I wrote music a lot too was like to feel a connection with him when he wasn't there um, and to have him feel proud of me I was thinking about his eulogy I should read a clip because it's all about kind of just you know it kind of encompasses everything that we're talking about just you know our experiences as people so it said um it's like all this time we wait for the street lamps to come on, for our mom to call us home. The light we see in death is just a street lamp, a sign that it's time to turn in, to say goodbye, to reset, to go home. Because you are not bound by this body, you are not bound by time, you do not owe the world anything but compassionate motivation, even if the world does not return that love. Because you are unconditional. You are purity, you are light, you are not bound by this body, you are bound by the soul that lives inside of it. So thank you for being a part of the blip of time here I was given on this magical little planet in a magical little universe. And now we continue in our growth and education of ourselves, of those we share time with, and of things passionately unknown. I can only hope that these dreams can continue with promise. Thank you everyone for listening, and we're going to end with one of Aspen's songs dedicated to her father. Good morning. It is your father calling, checking in on you. It is almost 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. If you get the message and you're hanging out, give me a buzz. Hope you're well. Love you. Miss you. I'll talk to you soon, honey. Bye. Need some time away to think. I can't tell if it's the lighting. Something in that string But I think I've reached my breaking point tonight And if I don't come now I might get stuck here the rest of my
But you found yourself in all of those rooms You weren't a perfect father Goddamn damn I mean, I wasn't perfect either, but I chose you again for my next life. And I never knew just how wrong I was, but nothing can replace me for. Wish I could have been there. I wish I could have stopped it, but it was time you had to go. The light was on, calling you back home. Ooh, back home. So meet me in the future, and I'll find you. On a dusty road in the middle of God knows where You'll take my hand and whisper in my ear You'll say, hey, I've been waiting for you, dear Did you find yourself in all of those years? Did you find yourself in all of those years? Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode's podcast. This is Margie. And I'm Ben. We'll see you next time.